There's a song, I thought it was a Christmas song. My daughter Sadie argued with me about it. Then we found it was on like everybody's Christmas album, but it's called My Few or My Favorite Things. You ever heard that song? Yeah. It goes like, oh, you have? Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. You've heard that song before? They talk up. It's on a show called Sound of Music. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Sound of Music, yeah. Um, They talk about cream colored ponies and crisp apple strudel. Doorbells and sleigh bells. What do sleigh bells remind you of? Christmas. Yeah, I love sleigh bells. Snowflakes that stay on your nose or eyelashes. Have you ever had a snowflake land on your nose and just sit there for a minute? I like that. But if I had to write that song, do you know what I would say are a few of my favorite things? I like barbecue smokers and fishing in mountains. I like beautiful sunsets and laughter in kitchens. I didn't have any other verses, but I thought maybe you would like that. But you know, one of my most favorite things I love are you. You're one of my favorite things. I love seeing your pretty dresses. I love giving fist bumps. I love seeing you laugh with your friends and singing songs and learning about Jesus. And I love when we get to be all together like this in, we call it big church. Because I just think it's, isn't it like when your whole family gets together, like for Thanksgiving or Christmas, isn't that fun just to have everyone together? I love that. You are one of my favorite things. But then I was curious, what are some of your favorite things? Yeah, Anthony. Uh, boxing. Boxing. Nice. What? Presents. Oh, horses. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Penguins? Yeah. All right. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey team? I better be careful on that one. Any other favorite things? Yeah. Christmas. I love Christmas too. I wonder what some of your moms, should we ask your moms and dads what, what some of their favorite things are? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of your favorite things? Shout it out nice and loud. What? I didn't hear any of that. Grandchildren. What? Family, yeah. Dave Garza. Who doesn't have Dave Garza as one of their favorite things? Yeah, I think once we stop to think about it, we could list, the list would go on and on and on of some of our favorite things. When we launched the Butterfield Campus, I think almost four years ago, I, can't, I lose track of time, but when we had the team together, that first team, before we ever did a service, we went away and just dreamed a little bit. And, and as we began that journey across the street over in that office park, at the Esplanade, or Esplande, as they called it. We were that Spanish church that no one could figure out. Uh, some things emerged for us. There were some favorite things that formed in the life of our staff, and they were actually in the form of questions. There were some favorite questions that just emerged. We wrote them on the wall. We had that cool paint where you could like put markers on the wall and it didn't mess it up. We had that, so we wrote them up there. And when we came here, 
the first thing we did is wrote our favorite things, those favorite questions, up on one of the whiteboards. If you go into our conference room, they're there right now. And these things have not just shaped our team, but they've shaped our lives. As I thought about it, I said, these are the questions that I need to be asking myself. And I want to submit them to you today as some of my favorite things, our team's favorite things, but just maybe they will become some of your favorite things as well, at least the questions you may ask, because I think they matter and I think they bring great change. What has happened here is because of the questions we asked. And so let me just offer up a prayer as we begin, and I'll take you through some of our favorite questions. Father God, we just pray that you would open up our hearts to your word, your word to our hearts. Um, God, help us just sit with these questions. And God, may they come to mind in the days and weeks to come. God, we just pray that you will shape us and mold us, make it us the kind of people, the kind of church that not just pleases you, but that God has an impact far beyond us. And so, God, may the words, what we have, what you have to share with us today, may, may they just bear fruit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first question that is right, that's the first one right on top of our whiteboard is, what is most important? What is most important? And don't worry, we're going to send these questions out to you. You can write them down now. We're going to leave them up on the screen, but we're going to send them out in our Butterfield update next week or this coming week. But what is most important? Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body or your clothes. Jesus says, isn't life more important than that? all the things that can tend to crowd into our minds. But Jesus says this, he goes, but seek first, the most important thing, seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's way, template for living. Seek that first. If you do, then everything else will be added to you as well. In other words, everything else will fall into place if we have, if we know what's most important and honor that first. I don't know, have you identified what are the big rocks in your life? If I were to ask you after service, what is most important? Would you have clarity and confidence in how you would respond to that question? Or perhaps you need to go back and revisit what are the most important things in my life? I have the privilege to do some leadership coaching with people here, but also around the country, and I work with other pastors. Did you know probably the biggest driving need or why people are seeking a coach is that they have lost clarity on what's most important and they need to help regain that, not just the focus, but align their lives, give the best of their energy to what is most important. I say that because I often have to find my, I ask myself, am I giving the best of my time and energy to the things that are actually most important? And sometimes, maybe many times, I feel like the most important things are being left undone because my energy is going to everything else. I don't know if you can relate to that. Here's what I know. If we don't know what's most important and we're not aligning our lives to that, then life will manage us. I think we are called to manage, steward our lives to the most important things because if we don't do that, then life is gonna manage us. And it just leads to a lot of frustration, to exhaustion, to anxiety, to a whirlwind, right? We're, we're just tired. Uh, so what is most important? Do you know what those things are? And maybe it's carving out some time to make your own list. 
Are there two or three or five or 10 things? What are the big rocks in your life? The second question that is one of our favorites is that am I asking the right questions? Am I even asking the right questions? And Jeremiah, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, speaking to Israel, he says this, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. It's almost like every day there's opportunities. There's forks in the road. Stand at the crossroads and don't just run ahead. It says, pause, look, and listen. It says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and then walk in it. And if you do, you will find rest for your souls. The word soul is used over 700 times in the Old Testament. It has the, it's a word that means like the, the depth of life. It's like that gut deep inside of you. If you will ask where the good way is and walk in it, you will actually find wholeness, life, shalom for your soul, for your very, your very self. You, the questions you ask and the answers you seek will shape and define your life. Uh, you have narratives that you've built in your life and sometimes we may ask a question but we've already determined the answer. Um, I think that's why even understanding what are the true questions we ask ourselves each day and as we approach situations. I was just in a premarital uh, appointment with a, a young couple earlier this week and we were talking about how do we interrupt some of these patterns of behavior that might create some sticky points or, or hard parts in relationships. And we said, well, when we feel this, we have to ask a question to interrupt, right? The questions we ask will shape us, define us, will lead us down different pathways. But the last line of that verse, and, and we use that verse a lot, I've shared it before, but the verse doesn't end there. Israel actually responds to, to God's words through Jeremiah, and Israel said, we will not walk in it. Right, Moses was always mad, this stiff-necked people, he called them. Uh, but, you know, I think we're a lot like that at times. Sometimes there's ways we know we should go but sometimes we just choose not to or we don't even stop to pause and consider which way we should go. We are just on the move. And so we have to pause, we have to look, we have to listen, we have to ask and to be open, which leads us really to the next question is, are we listening? Are you, are you living a life that listens? I think we need to listen to God, obviously. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. Sheep, I don't know if you remember or know, like sheep are kind of timid, right? Like they don't like strangers' voices. They will only follow voices that they know. And so one of the things we learn to do is to say, do we know the voice of God? Do we hear the voice of God? Do we, do we know where to follow him? Are we able to identify it? Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. It's like, it's like knowing your mom or dad, right? It's, it's a relational knowing. It's not just, I know that's my mom, but like, I know my mom, like she loves me, right? It's this relational knowing, but we have to be still and we have to listen to hear the voice of God. But I think it doesn't just stop there. I, I'd actually say this, one of the other things, not just what's most important when I'm on these coaching calls, one of the themes I see over and over again, people are just like, I wish I heard God more each day. 
And so we talk about what, how can we grow in that, but so often uh, the, the voice of God will get cluttered out of our life if we have all of this other noise in it. I, I just read this morning with Elijah. I don't know if you remember the story, but God is going to speak to Elijah, and there was an earthquake, and there was fire, and there was a storm, and God wasn't in any of those, but then there was this gentle whisper, Elijah, and God was there. I think sometimes until we know how to be still and know God, we're not going to hear God. But I think he's always speaking. But we have to attune ourselves to that. And sometimes we just have to slow down and create the space. Uh, God's in no, he's not going to, he doesn't need to compete with all of your noise. He'll wait. And he's speaking. He just says, I hope you'll just be quiet. It's like when your kids just fall asleep or rest in your arms, like how special that is. <clears throat> we also need to listen to others. Proverbs 18 says, to answer before listening. In other words, to answer before thoughtful consideration. Scripture says is folly and shame. Folly and shame. To answer before listening is folly and shame. And I think, wow, if there's one verse that might describe our culture to a large extent, we have this argumentative kind of bickering like, no one listens, but everyone's loud. I'm just like, wow, we almost prove that verse true every day, at least when I turn on the TV or listen to the radio. It's just so much competitive talking. I'm like, is anyone really listening to each other and considering not just what they're saying, but considering their life, listening to their life, like your life speaks, other people's lives speak. So some of it's their words, but some of it is just considering who they are, where they're coming from, why would they say what they say? There's a deeper listening that we can do with one another. Um, and I think listening equals loving. I think when we just pause to really listen and be with people, I think it communicates great love and it allows us to even know what questions we need to ask. It, it allows us to listen differently. You can see how all of these are kind of wrapped together but both words and life speak. And I think you need to listen to yourself. Sometimes we just need to listen to what we're feeling. What are our desires? Where do these strong emotions come from? And what are they saying? And what are they leading me to? Why do I think the way I think? In the book of James, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. It's like this active listening to really lean in. And when you know, when you hear, then it's, we have to take that step. That's what Jeremiah was saying. Ask for the good ways, the ancient ways, the good ways, and then walking in, walking in. That's where there's rest. That's where there's goodness for life and the soul. But sometimes we have to listen inwardly before we even maybe know the questions to ask or how to, how to listen. <clears throat> Let's be people that listen to God and others and even listen to what's going on within ourselves before we feel the urge that we have to, to speak or take control of situations or whatever it may be. The next question, I don't know, three, four, I don't know what number we're on, but it's the question of who else. This is one of our favorite questions to ask at Butterfield. We do it almost every team meeting, who else? Who else is God raising up? Who else needs prayer? Who else can we follow up with? Who else, who else, who else? It's been like one of the greatest adventures of discovery, of seeing what God does 
in you and it, and it has led us to even some of the things like the food trucks. It's all about a who else movement to say who else can we just reach out to and be present with. And Jesus did this all the time. I just wrote, do you see, he said, do you see this woman? But then I'm like, wow, it, there were like all kinds. Do you see this woman at the well? Do you see this woman who just put in a few pennies into the offering? Do you see this woman that weeping at my feet when he is at a dinner? Do you, Zac, Zac, Zacchaeus, I see you. Come out of that tree. We're going to go hang out together and grab some food at your house. That's a paraphrase version. Um, Jesus said, who else, when he called those first 12 disciples, and later there would be 72 that would follow them, that he would send out on these little short-term mission trips, he prayed and said, God, who else? And then he tapped them on the shoulder and said, follow me, join me in what I'm doing. Jesus modeled a who else kind of life. And then, right before he went up to heaven, he gave what we call the Great Commission. It's the backbone of why Christian churches are Christian churches. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Grow more followers. Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all commanded. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. But if you go back to the beginning, when he says, therefore, go, literally it means, as you are going, make disciples. Every day, as you are going, how are we helping grow and build up and encourage people to follow Jesus, deepen their commitment to Jesus? As you are going, it's a who else kind of life. And when we learn to ask who else, not only does it become a great adventure for your life because God's going to use you in ways, think of the impact that it has on someone else when you can love and serve, tap their shoulder, extend an invitation to constantly ask, who else needs prayer? Who can I pray for? Who else just needs an encouraging word? And then you give it. Who else needs an invitation to, to join us in one of the groups we're kicking off? Or maybe it's someone from the neighborhood or your workplace that has dropped some hints about church. Who else just needs an invitation? Say, why don't you come? Like, we've got a great church and it's just kind of this great feel and community everyone's connect like I think it's different maybe than what you've come on check it out with me who else needs an invitation who needs a meal or who just needs a friend who else just needs the presence in their life um, it's a, such a fun adventure to live a who else kind of life and as you're serving as you're connecting I mean I think when we gather every week we have the opportunity to ask who else wow, you're not in a group? You're not in one of our men's groups? Oh, why don't you come with me this week? Check it out. I'll introduce you to some of the guys. You'll know if it's a place you want to continue to, to, to journey with us, or if not, that's cool, but just check it out. I think it's one of the keys of living a generous life. You can't live a generous life if you're not asking who else, because that's the gateway. It opens you up to steward what God's given you in your life. The next question that we ask is, are we creating relational attachment? Are we face-to-face -face with people, even if they have a mask on? We spent a lot of time this last year, uh, especially when we came back from COVID. Remember, we were all at home, and then we were able to start coming back, and we still see new folks every week that are returning. 
but we showed videos during our welcome time. Remember we had people sending pictures or videos of just saying hi during the greeting time? We did that because we wanted to see each other's faces. There's something powerful in how God's created us in the face. This is why babies light up when you just get right in their face and smile. They mirror that. Uh, research has actually proven that joy Joy increases in face-to-face -face relationships, and joy has been discovered as one of the critical uh, detectors of how resilient people are in times of challenge or trial. It's amazing. It, it's faces, and when you're face-to-face -face with someone, it, it's almost like, without saying it, you're saying, I see you. I love you. It's good to be with you. I champion you like I'm here for you. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By how you love one another, Jesus was with his disciples. He called 12 that they may be with him, face to face, doing life together. In the book of Numbers, there's this great blessing, and we use it in benedictions a lot. And it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you his peace. I shared this before. Our, a lot of our modern translations of scriptures, even though they're great, they make it readable. They've actually translated the word face out and put in presence of the Lord or some of these other phrases, which are trying to communicate it's the same thing. But the face of God shows up all over in Scripture, and I think it's hugely intentional. When Adam and Eve, they were with God in the garden, when, they, when sin had entered in, what did God do? He pursued them, and he called out to them. He wanted to be face-to-face -to, -face to see what had happened. <clears throat> that is attachment. And this is fueled a lot. This is why our whole fall programming, we want to get face-to-face -face with each other because it's, one, it's going to grow us as disciples, but there's, there's like a, another deeper level when we get to be face-to-face -face with each other each week. It's why we did the food truck summer. It wasn't to have a church picnic every week. It was to be face-to-face -face with the people of the neighborhood because something is communicated when we're face-to-face and it translates. Your life speaks when we're face-to-face. -face. And so we have brought a lot of intentionality. And I just think as we move forward in the days we have, as we move journey forward, I just think there's something about face-to-face -face relationships and presence, especially in the Zoom world. It's great that we can do worship online, but we want to be together and we want to have FaceTime together. At least that will always be my bias because God does something when we're face-to-face. Um, last, and I'll leave you with this. The, the question that, and this is really where we started as a team before we even had our first service, is are we caring for our souls? <laughs> My heart and desire for our staff, for our leaders, and for every single one of you that this journey we're on together, you would look back and say, this was one of the best seasons of my life because my soul was healthy. Good things happened within me that flowed beyond me. And the soul, we've, again, talked about this at different times. It just brings all of these themes out. The soul is like that cell membrane or like the filter for life. It encompasses your 
physical, mental, relational, vocational, emotional, I may have said some of these twice, I don't know, worlds. It brings it all together. I think some of the things to hear is that you don't have a soul, you are a soul. And the soul is always forming. It's dynamic. We have all of these inputs coming in and the things we do every day and the relationships in our lives, like they form our soul. So the question is, is our soul growing more healthy or are we neglecting it or aspects of it? And so one of the questions is just how is your soul, we've learned to just be language to pause and say, how am I really doing? You know, we can sugarcoat it and sometimes we can talk about, oh, you know, it's good, but reality is we've got some real hard or painful things or bad habits or whatever it is. Like, you know, the body's a unit. The apostle Paul says, if one part hurts, it impacts the whole thing. So it is in your soul. And so we wanna grow people with just healthy souls, which is why things like group life, where we can engage all of these different aspects kind of in a, in, a, in a smaller circle, have a safe place where people just are passionate that we would be healthy and whole in the best ways. That's why it's such a good, a good thing. And so sometimes we need to ask just, how am I doing? Right, and what seems to be, what's, what's going well right now, but where am I? Am I neglecting anything in my life? Is there anything that really needs addressed? But to not be like Israel back with Jeremiah say, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. I think we always wanna lean towards goodness and health and wholeness and we need partners on the journey to do it. That's why we believe so much in community. I'm gonna pause right there. I think that's a lot to take in, but those are just some of our favorite things. And I can tell you they shape my life even today. They shape where we're going and what we're doing as a church. But I would submit them to you. And again, we're gonna send these to you so you don't have to feel like you have to remember them all this week. But maybe just sit with those. Take your own inventory and think about, you know, what's most important? What are the questions I'm really asking? Or maybe there's some questions I need to ask because of some people or my life or situations going on around me. Um, am I really listening? Not just to the words, but beneath the words. Am I, am I face-to-face enough with people and just being present with them? Who else do I have the opportunity to bless or tap on the shoulder or encourage? And then, I'm on, and then say, Lord, like it brings you great pre- you Rest for my soul. That is your desire. Is my soul restful? Am I at peace? And if not, how do we help grow towards health and wholeness? to really consider the things that are shaping us. That's a, that's a powerful list of questions if we give time to it, if we carve out the space, and I think we need to do that sometimes each day, sometimes each week, each month, you know, to build a rhythm that we're just pausing to look, listen, ask, and respond. Let's be people that journey well, that ask the good questions, at the crossroads and pathways of life every single day. Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you, Lord, I just, I thank you for this community. I thank you for these kids that have taken in every word of this message. Uh, God, for all of us gathered in this room, God, let these questions penetrate us. You know, as they just marinate in our mind, Lord, may they just, May we recall them this week. 
God, give us the courage just to find some space, just to reflect on a few of these, because God, these, this is some of the, the ancient paths, the good questions to ask, because God, we want to be people that go down right roads and good roads, that God, we find peace and rest for our souls, because um, God, we're pursuing you, we're loving you, we're loving others, we're living into these very words of scripture that Jesus was all about, God, there is a good life attached to that. God, may we be people that don't say, no, we don't want to walk there, but we'll have the courage to follow you into these answers. So God, we submit all of this to you. We give you thanks for this community of faith. God, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.